We are a band of brothers who wear the armor of integrity daily. We protect the fatherless, defend the widows, and meet the needs of people who are victims of war, poverty, natural disasters, and famine. We serve others with humility and strength. We are the protectors of our homes and the defenders of the oppressed. We courageously stand for truth and strive to be the men that God has called us to be. We take light into the darkness, hope to the hopeless, and dignity to the oppressed. We are Integritas. Would you uh, just bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we stand here on holy ground this morning. Jesus, you are seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. You have paid the debt. You have called us your sons and your daughters. May everything in our lives, everything that vies for our attention be stripped away this morning. And may we see you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, high and lifted up. And may our hearts and our first love come back to the center of what it is supposed to be at the foot of the cross. Where every breath that we have, God, is for you. And may the words I speak this morning, God, they're your words for your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the day of the Roman Empire, every morning the Roman centurions would stand in battle formation with their armor on. And as the Roman general would stand in front of them for inspection, they would pound on their breastplate and they would say, Integritas! And the general would listen to the hollow ring of the armor because he could decipher whether that armor had any weakness or imperfection in the armor where a sword, a spear, a weapon could penetrate. And at the same time, that centurion was saying, my armor is whole and complete. I am ready for battle. Around the same time, a group of, of men known as the Praetorian Guard came into power. And they were, as every dictator, always wants to have a force protection to protect his own interests. So they were drawn from the politically correct and the economically connected. And they too adopted the same custom, except instead of Swearing allegiance to a value or a code, they would swear allegiance to a man and they would say, Hail Caesar. About a century later, the Praetorians became renowned for their excesses. The, the moral decline within Rome was permeating even into the Praetorian Guard. And the centurions, the legionnaires seeing this, said, We're different, we're set apart from them. And so they changed what they said from integritas to integer, which means set apart. But even they weren't impervious to the moral decline, and they too became negligent and lazy. And in AD 383, as the Vans and the Goths are beginning to sweep through the northern Roman cities and they're sacking city after city at unprecedented rates, a Roman general wrote these words, when because of negligence and laziness, parade grounds were abandoned, the customary armor began to feel heavy since the soldiers rarely, if ever, wore it. Therefore, they first asked the emperor if they could take off their breastplate and mail and set it aside because it's too heavy for us. We haven't been training with it. We haven't practiced with it. We can't fight with it. And then their helmets. And so our soldiers fought the Goths without any protection for their heart. 
and without any protection for their head, and they were often beaten down by archers and succumbed to wounds that would ordinarily been protected by the wearing of their armor. Ladies and gentlemen, integrity, the word integrity, comes from the combination of integritas and integer. And what's amazing about this is Paul in Ephesians 6, when he's penning these amazing words, he's looking at the centurions, and what does he say? Brothers and sisters, having done all to stand, let us stand therefore, putting on the full armor of God. And he goes through each section that he sees from these centurions. He sees the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only offensive we, happen, we have is the sword of the Spirit. Because why? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The fight you had with your wife this morning, the issues going on in your life, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities and rulers of the dark place whose very interest is to not only destroy your faith and make you more interested in a football game than in the things of Jesus, but millions of souls are marching towards hell every single day while we sit negligent and lazy on the sidelines. Oh God, I repent for that. I repent for that. And so the battle cry of Integritas is a battle cry that says men and women, but I'm really going to speak a lot to men this morning because that's where I feel the Lord has taken me. And let me tell you very quickly where this all came from. This is my team in Afghanistan. I was in special operations. I was on a sniper team with Jason Maxwell, who's here on the right. And, you know, I love combat because combat really kind of put in perspective. Every day was life and death. Every day you knew what your mission was. And probably my favorite thing about combat was that you always had a buddy to your left and right who would take a bullet for you and you would take one for them. You were in mission together. You were on point together, and you had someone in the trenches with you. What else do you want in life? So Maxwell and I would go out, we'd go on our missions, and we'd come back. We'd do this repeatedly, and then one day Maxwell didn't come back. And he was the first of many buddies that I lost. Eventually, I, I, after doing Iraq, Afghanistan, Horn of Africa, multiple combat deployments, I did some contract work in Africa, and I came back to the States in my transition much like many people's transition, was difficult. It was difficult. You know why? Because like many men, we are created for story. Women, you are too. We're all created for testimonies. By our testimony, we overcome. And when we don't have a story to tell, what we usually do is we go back to that historical reference where we did something great in our lives. And so for me and for many combat veterans coming back, the greatest thing we had ever done in our lives was serving our country, being a part of life and death missions, going into battle, And then we leave that. And what do we leave? We leave behind a mission and a purpose. And we also leave behind the reality and the fact that there were buddies to your left or right that would stand beside you and go anywhere. And I went into a downward spiral as a result of this. But God, who is rich in mercy, right? And Bob and Sherry Shank are here this morning. Dear friends, I went through the master's program. And it was in the master's program as I was praying into my kingdom assignment that God awakened my heart to something, the reality. And it's what I just started with. The reality is this, is the greatest mission that I, that I have had in my life or will ever have is not when I was in combat operations. It's the fact that the King of Kings is coming back soon. 
It's the fact that there's millions of souls around us that are going to hell every day in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and we just sit back and pretend like it's not happening. We are on the sidelines as the game is being played out in the two-minute drill, and there we sit content in our negligence and laziness. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment, and he said, Brent, I'm looking for a few good men. I'm looking for a few good men who will say yes. I'm not looking for the men who have it all figured out. I'm not looking for the men who have everything and have gone to seminary and everything else. I'm looking for a few broken men who will come before me and let me show myself mighty on their behalf. I'm looking for the boy with the loaves of bread and the fishes. I'm looking for for the Moses and all he has in his hand is a stick. Are you willing and he showed me this picture, incredible picture of, of men that were rocked up, kind of like we were in that photo. And, and they were somewhere, I don't know where they were, but they were going and they were rocked up. They weren't carrying weapons. What they were carrying was a Jesus film and Bibles into unengaged, unreached people groups. And I said, wow, God, if you want to repurpose my skill sets, just lost my earpiece. If you want to repurpose my skill sets, and the skill sets of other men to go to the hardest, darkest places in the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ, then here I am, Lord. And what emerged from that was this incredible opportunity to go to Nigeria. If you look here, this is the settlement of the Fulani. If you know anything about the Fulani, think Boko Haram. Think um, people who kill Christians. And we landed in Nigeria not knowing much about anything other than we were simply saying yes to God. And I want to tell you something this morning. Faith without works, faith without works is probably the singular most um, detrimental thing to the church today. We know more about God than we act on. Do you know how dangerous that is? And so here we were showing up into Nigeria without much except saying, just like the disciples, every time Jesus came to him, he says, put down your nets and follow me. There was always an activation. And as you go, as you go, you will discover who I am, and the power and the authority I've given you. And so we land in Nigeria, and we're in Nigeria, and we're doing uh, projects, we're, we're serving, we're building. We've brought the Jesus film. I'll tell you a bunch of stories about that. But most importantly, I want to tell you about these three men that we met. These men. Maybe I need to go one more. These three men. So we're working with a Fulani. They're nomadic. They're herdsmen. They believe that they brought Islam to Nigeria. They work closely with Boko Haram and terrorist groups. They kill villages, men, women, and children. Terrible men. The kind of men that we would have been tasked with in the military to go take out. We meet these men, and they start telling us their story. On the left here, you have Laolo. His father, Jao, had become a believer through hearing the word of God in his heart language for the first time. Him and his household were saved. Boko Haram kidnapped them after they got saved and took them into the bush, put Jao on trial and said, Jao, if you don't recant Jesus, you will die. Jao says, you can kill me, but you're only going to send me home to Jesus early. So they took him and they have a butcher just like ISIS does. They tied him up like a goat. They flayed him alive in front of his wife, his kids, and the other believers that were there. That night, Jao's wife was weeping inconsolably, understandably. She was weeping, and she was just so discouraged. Her son, Lalo, who's on the left there, wakes up in the middle of the night, looks over and sees his mom. And sitting next to his mom is a man in green and white. Lalo walks over, and he hears this man talking to Jao's wife and saying, 
Jao is home. Jao has received the, the crown that is promised to him. Stay strong. Having done all the stands, stand therefore. For I am going to work in amongst you to bring the gospel to the Fulani people. She feels such encouragement, such joy. The next morning they wake up and this group of people do something that's unprecedented. They appoint her to be their leader now that Jaho had passed away. And that's really unusual because the Fulanis, you got to understand, women have no rights in the Fulani culture at all. So she leads this group of believers into a prayer. And so they're praying for three days. And on the third day, this man in white appears to the whole group. And he comforts them and he encourages them. And he said, stand strong. Having done all that stand, stand therefore. I am with you always. And they feel such a joy and such an encouragement in this moment. The man in white leaves. And five minutes, roughly five minutes after he leaves, they start hearing screams coming from the Boko Haram camp. And these men are screaming, snakes, bees, scorpions. And this group of believers is looking through the dim light because the sun is setting. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. Their hearts are gripped with fear, but they know something is happening. And they see these Boko Haram guys dropping their weapons, getting into their vehicles and driving off. And some just look like they're dropping dead. And in the middle of this, a five-year-old girl says, Mommy, isn't it wonderful? Jesus is fighting on our behalf. And she's stronger than a thousand of them put together. They see a man running towards their encampment with an AK-47, and right before he gets to their encampment, he drops his weapon, and he falls on his face, and they see his face, and it's the face of the butcher. Well, long story short, they're able to leave there. The Nigerian military gets them, takes them, wants to take them to a safer place, and Jao's wife says, no, absolutely not. For such a time as this, we've been placed here, and if we leave, who will tell the Fulani people about Jesus? And because of their testimony, many of this military contingent that came to rescue them gives their hearts to Jesus as well. Well, based on their testimony and staying there in the northeast of Nigeria, Boko Haram hears what's happening and they send more men. This man right on the right, we're going to call him Paul to protect his identity. He's a big man. He has many cattle. He's very wealthy. His deputies and people that serve underneath him. And Boko Haram gives, gives him even more men. And he says, your job, task him with the job of eradicating Christianity in this northeast Nigeria. He's very effective at his work. In fact, by his own admission, he kills dozens of believers, dozens of families, dozens of men, women, and children. He comes home one night after killing a family of Christians. And he's bragging to his wives. And he says, we will eradicate these infidels from Nigeria. And his younger wife, unbeknownst to him, had become a believer through what God was doing. And so she pushes back and she says, why are you persecuting these people? They've done nothing to you. They haven't offended you. They haven't stolen your cattle. And at this, the man gets so angry that he goes back to hit her as hard as he can to teach her a lesson, Fulani style. Something stops his hand in that moment. And he turns and he describes this moment as staring into the eyes and looking into the eyes of the most compassionate man he's ever seen, a man in green and white. And he says, Paul, Why are you persecuting me? And why are you persecuting my people? And his answer was the same answer he'd given his younger wife. He said, because we are the keepers of the true faith, the keepers of Islam. And these infidels must either convert or die. And he says, how do you know? The man in white asked him, how do you know that their way is not the true way? And he pauses and says, their way is the true way. And if you follow their way, you will receive eternal life. And Paul describes this moment as being swept away into a current of love, something he's never experienced before. You have to understand, Fulanis don't even have a word for love. To become a man in the Fulani culture is to be beaten and show no emotion whatsoever. That's how you become a man at the age of 13, 12, 13. 
So we get swept away in this current of love, and, and the man in white leaves, and, and, and he comes back, and apparently he's having this vision because his wives don't see it, but he experiences this full awakening. His first question to his wives is, how do I follow Jesus? Well, long story short, his younger wife is really skeptical, and she sends word to Lalo and says, Lalo, something's happened with the man who's been hunting you. Lalo's like, I don't think so. I don't want to meet that guy. But after a few weeks of this going on, she leads Paul to go visit Lalo to hear about the full story of Jesus. And as he comes into the camp where Lalo, the son of Jao, is there, Lalo sits across from him and tells him the story of Jesus, and Paul gives his heart to Jesus. And he goes back excited, and he tells all of his deputies, and he tells all the people in his camp, he says, ah, we've got it wrong. Jesus is the way. Our way is not the right way. Jesus is the way. So Boko Haram send men to come kill him. They take his cattle. They burn down his homes. And he crawls out nearly beaten to death. They thought he had killed him, rejoicing at having an opportunity to suffer with Jesus. Now I want to put the context together in this room because here are combat veterans. By the way, we take non-combat veterans as well, people who haven't served. Here we are sitting across from these men, and Lalo says, I want you to take a message back to the church in America. This is a man who's only been a believer for maybe three years. Plead, plead, plead with the church. Plead with your brothers and sisters and tell them, do not play with the salvation you have. Don't play with the salvation of Jesus that he has given you. Because he is with you right now in this room. He is with you in front of you, behind you, and on the other side of you. And very soon you will be leaving this body to go be with him. So plead with him. Don't mess around with that great salvation. Man, you could hear a pin drop in the room that, that night when we were with them. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear, I want you to wash your feet. And so you have to understand something. If you, I would have been in that context two years, three years prior. These were men that we hated. These were men who took the lives of my buddy, Jason, with the same ideological beliefs. And yet, at the foot of the cross, at the foot of the cross, there we were, united as one, brothers under one banner, the banner of Jesus Christ. Men and women in this room, please understand with me that when we come to Jesus at the foot of the cross, we no longer have rights. It is not about making much of us. It is about going and dying to ourselves and saying, Lord Jesus, everything that I have, every hope, every dream, every anger, every bitterness, everything is there in its place at the foot of Jesus at Calvary. And there are Fulani militants who have been killing Christians, and there are combat veterans who would have been killing these guys. And as one, we are there under the foot of Calvary. I've never felt the experience and the fullness of God so much as I did in that moment. I know time's getting short, man. There's so much I want to share with you. There's so much I want to share with you. But the one thing that I want to move into at this point is to, is to talk about, specifically talk about what opportunities is God calling each and every one of us to? I know the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully in this room right now. I'm very, very convinced, especially for the men, women, if you don't mind, if you talk to the men, that we are guilty of the negligence and the laziness. When we went to Nigeria, and we're coming back with this story, 
This is what God wants to do with us. We were built for adventure. We were built for adventure with risk. In fact, when you read the Gospels through that lens, everything that Jesus invites the disciples into is adventure with risk, with great eternal rewards and impact for eternity. Amen? That's exactly what it is. And when we look at today's Marine Corps birthday, tomorrow's Veterans Day, and we celebrate veterans and we get medals and all this other stuff, that is so temporary. It is so earthly that someday we will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he will say, son, welcome home. The war is over. And there's two things that we have to understand that number one, everything we do with our time, talent, and treasure is either going to be burned away because we spent it here and in our own negligence and laziness and the lust of our flesh and the pride of life consumed us or we store it up there. That's number one. And then there's another thing that I want to make so abundantly clear for the men in this room is that we were built for story and testimony. When we get together and talk, what do we talk about? Remember the days when we were in the high school and we were, the, we were the state champions. Remember that great fishing trip we went on. We were built for adventure, men. We were built for adventure. And we have become content to sit on the sidelines and live vicariously through our favorite sports teams or whatever nonsensical thing is going on. And the King of Kings is coming by just like he did with the disciples and saying, Will you... Put down your nets. Put down that stuff and follow me and follow me into the greatest adventure of all. That's what I believe that the message that God is bringing today. And so Integritas is doing a whole lot more over there. What we've been doing is basically going, see if this thing moves. Oh, there we go. The Lord has given us access. I keep losing my mic. The Lord has given us access because of the work there. These are all Fulani chiefs. They've heard about what's going on. And what we're doing is taking the same playbook that we had in the military of hearts and minds. And we're going in and we're vaccinating their cattle. And we're going to be drilling boreholes. And as a result of that, guess what these men let us do? They let us show the Jesus film to their people. You know how amazing that is? We went into a prison where there's 450 Boko Haram men, the worst of the worst, on death row. And the warden's a Muslim guy, a Muslim guy. He's like six foot five. He looks like Idi Amin. And we go in there and we say, hey, we feel like God wants us to share the love of Jesus with your, with your inmates. And we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. This guy's Muslim. He's six foot five. He could kick us out of the country for all we know. And this man leans back and then slams his hand on the desk. And he says, oh, I have the power in my fingers over every inmate. And I grant you access. So we go into this this isolated location in this jail cells, right, with these worst of the worst guys. We show the Jesus film, and then we share our testimony. And the man who shared his testimony had only been a believer for two months. 31 of these guys give their hearts to Jesus. Do you know how crazy that is? This isn't about how great or awesome we are. This is simply a group of men that are saying yes to God. And so what I want to end with and close with today is simply this. Men, and again, this women... We know that you're the ones who are filling the volunteer channels. We know that you're the ones that are getting together and praying. We know that you're the ones leading. Men, it's time for us to step forward. It's time for us to say, just like I started with, I want to put on my armor and I want to stand side by side with other men. And I want to go into the hardest and darkest places in our community. I want to say yes. The, 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 the thing that made me so excited about this morning is this whole idea of going to Lesbos. Whether you have refugees 
that have fled their homes and have nothing? Think about this for a moment. There are so many, I just think of the young, young kids, especially the young men there. Their dads were usually killed or their dads are trying to find work somewhere else so they're there alone with their mothers. And guess what? No one in the world wants them. What's supposed to be a temporary camp has now become a permanent camp because nobody, not even their home country, wants them back. And you as men would have an opportunity to go there to bring your simple loaves of bread and your fishes and say, God, I want to enter into the fullness of what you've created me for, for your power, for your glory, and you can go and change the lives of some of these young men through your going? And let me just tell you this. It's not going to be about necessarily what happens there. I mean, we heard some amazing stories. We got to see some amazing things. But more importantly, guess what happened? Men, when we enter into an adventure with Jesus, we come back. And the men who have been on these trips and these teams together are so fired up. Men who weren't being spiritual leaders in their homes are now in the Word. They're in love with Jesus because now you don't just know about him and conceptually know that, oh yeah, he did these great things, that's awesome. You now had an opportunity to walk in the path and go, whoa, God, you just partnered with me to do that? I just got to lead this young man from eternity separated from you to eternity with you? I got to see this miracle or that or whatever else. I don't know what it's going to be, but I will tell you that if you don't say yes, you're going to miss it. And I do believe that there will be a round table in heaven someday where we will get, just like the Israelites were always called to remember what happened in Egypt, what God did, that in eternity someday we will sit and we will recount the stories of old when we as mere mortals had an opportunity given by the commander-in-chief to come and enter into a place where we can participate in the greatest battle. But someday that war is going to be over. Will you have a story to tell? I'd like the band to come up here, if they don't mind, because I I really feel that God's doing something in this church. I know he's doing something in this church. I've been praying for you for the last few weeks, preparing for this message. I love your hearts. I love your worship. Being here this morning, there's something happening significant. And God's asking for more this morning. And so since we're right on the Veterans Day thing, I'm going to do the same thing, kind of like the military, in a way. But it's not the military because it's the commander-in-chief, the king of kings, the lord of lords. He's calling a few good men. And I'm going to actually ask you, if everybody would just, first of all, please stand, both men and women. I want to ask you in these moments, if the Lord is speaking to you, men, especially to the men, His eyes roam to and fro the earth looking for someone that will let him show him mighty on their behalf. I'm asking you that if you are feeling the call of the Holy Spirit, doesn't matter whether you have much, doesn't matter if you have a seminary degree or not, doesn't matter if you're struggling in life, I believe that the greatest thing that the enemy tries to tell us is that, well, I got to get all this stuff straightened out in my life first. I've got to get these sin issues corrected. I've got to get this stuff. And you know, the reality is, is when you read the Gospels, you don't see Jesus doing that. What you see Jesus is coming to people and saying, with eyes of compassion, saying, will you follow me? So, man, I'm going to invite you forward because I think there's something really significant about this moment. By coming forward, it doesn't mean you have to go to Nigeria. It doesn't mean that you're going to Lesbos. What it means is that you're saying, I want to be in on this. I don't want to miss this opportunity. I don't want to miss this moment in time where God is calling me and saying, Lord, I want to be all in. 
I want to be all in in everything that you are calling me to, and I want to surrender myself. I no longer have rights. And so, man, I'm going to ask you to please just come forward. Come forward as one, that we would put the armor of integrity back on and that we would stand shoulder to shoulder with one another once again. So I'm just going to let the band lead. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit move. together. going to continue to worship, and first I want to pray for these men that have come forward here. I'd want to ask if others would want to come forward now to say, God, I want to live a life that is of action for you. I don't want to sit and play it safe anymore, but I want to live a life that is completely and wholly for you, God. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, but by the grace of God... I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. And that is our call. As men that we will serve. That we will serve God in radical ways. And so I want to pray over you. And I've asked... And it's awesome, there's a lot of guys up here we can kind of spread around, but I've asked some of our elders and pastors to come around and just even pray over you individually if you want to receive prayer in this moment. To say that today will be a day that I will look back on 10 years from now and say that was the day that my life changed. I was a Christian maybe for a long time, but that was the day I began to live it every day. And for some of you, God is moving in you in a deep and radical way. And so I want to pray over you right now. Almighty God, creator of the universe, we come before you humbly as men. We want to live for you, God, each and every day. 
And I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give the power of the Holy Spirit to each one of these men. That each one of these men come forward here with all sorts of stuff going on in their lives, God. And I pray that they would continue to surrender that over to you, Lord God. And Lord, each one of these men came forward with a desire in their heart to live their lives for you in a way that was a step greater and beyond than they were doing yesterday, Lord. And Lord, though we know that all of that is out of your grace. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, the blessing of your grace upon them and the power of your Holy Spirit upon them to be able to live each day radically for you. And I pray that whatever is kind of in their heart and mind right now of what that would look like, God, I pray that they would take those steps, Lord, that you would have for them. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring brothers alongside them. I pray that they'd be just vividly aware of your Holy Spirit with them, God, in this moment, giving them the strength and power to do whatever you have called them to do. Lord Jesus, I pray that your blessing for these men to be a blessing to others, to be a blessing to the people across the street and to the people across the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. I encourage you men, if you'd like, as we continue to worship through singing, if you'd like to stay up here, go to the sides to re- receive more prayer at the prayer points, to just even kneel up here if you'd like. Other men can come alongside each other and just pray over each other. If you want to just put your hands on another man nearby you and pray for each other in the midst of this moment, we're going to just continue to worship. But I encourage you to kind of continue in this moment, to pray for one another, and then to see what God is continuing to do. All right? So let's continue to sing and continue to pray and continue to respond here in this time.